Welcome to another message of hope from Gateway Church Australia. For more information or to contact us, please visit gateway.asn.au. Well, good morning, Gateway. Good morning. Morning, morning. My name is Beth, if we haven't met, and I tell you what, more so than ever this morning, I'm so thankful that I get to be here with you all. Am I right? Are we happy? We're stoked we're together. Hey, before I get started, I just want to take a moment and say thank you so much, Rick, for your leadership, for the way you've pressed in in really difficult seasons, and the way that you do that with such calm and vision, Um, and we just love the father heart that you have for this house. So can we just honour him and thank him? Well, if you've just joined us, we are journeying through the book of Mark in the lead up to Easter. And I am so stoked that I get to share this morning on the greatest commandment. Because I feel like now more so than ever, our world needs us to get this right, this love thing right. Am I right? So let's go to it together. We've just seen it on the screens. It's in Mark chapter 12 and it's on your outline. It says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So here we see a teacher of of the law, a scribe, a guy who knows his stuff, a guy who has seen all the religious arguments played out before him, coming to Jesus, and unlike other situations where people are trying to trap Jesus in his words, he's genuinely just coming to him and saying, of all the commandments, Which one's the most important thing? Give me one to summarize them all. And Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor. Or love God, love people. Interestingly, love God summarizes the first half of the Ten Commandments, which deals with our relationship with God. And love people summarizes the second half of those Ten Commandments, that second tablet, which addresses our relationship with each other. And Jesus is saying, you want a summary? Here they are, love God, love people, package deal. You cannot separate the two. But us humans love a little pendulum swing, don't we? We can either be on either end of the spectrum. We can either be like, love God? Yes, this all-loving being, my heavenly father, I can get down with that, but love people? Have you seen how mean we can get? Or they'll be like, yes, love people? Real flesh and blood, tangible, real needs, I can love people, but love God? that distant, unseen God, I'm not sure about that. But Jesus says, love God, love people. We cannot separate the two. So I want to ask us this morning, how are we going at loving people? And what I mean by that is, how are you going with loving the person right next to you right now? Look left, look right. In fact, check out your row not like that. But although, if you're single, look, no one can blame you for just honouring God's creation. That's all I'm saying. So check out your own, whether you came with them or not. 
How are you going at loving the people in this church community, this church community that you call home? Because when we get this right gateway, we can have an incredible impact on our world. I am a mum of a one and a half year old and my son Jad at the moment is obsessed with fishies. He's all about the fishies, so fishies, fishies, fishies. And one day I was thinking last week, how am I going to keep this kid entertained? Holler at me, parents of toddlers. And uh, I was like, I know, I'll take him to the pet shop. There's a whole wall full of every kind of fish you could want. So I say to Jad, Jad, we're going to go see the fishies. And he lights up. He's like, fishies, fishies. And I'm trying to shovel in breakfast. He's like, fishies, fishies. And I'm like, I've got this mum thing nailed. He does not even know. He has no idea how good I am. He's going to be so excited. So we get to the pet shop. The sliding doors open and he immediately, he lights up. He knows exactly what's happening. And he gets down and he's toddling towards the wall. He's going, fishies, fishies. But as we get closer, I realise he's not actually going towards the wall of fish. He's going for the brochure with the care instructions for the fish. <laughs> Holler at me, parents of toddlers. And so I'm like, oh, bless. Maybe he hasn't seen the aquarium set before him. So I pick him up and I show him the tanks. I'm like, look, Jad, living, breathing, swimming fishies in every colour. And he's agitated. He's wriggling. He's trying to get back to the brochure of the fish. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. But the world is literally your oyster right now. And I'm trying to do a song and dance and he doesn't want a bar of it. I genuinely did not think that my husband would believe me with this story. So um, I took a photo. Yes, I'm that mum. Don't judge me. <laughs> Leaning back, getting the angle. So this is Jad um, genuinely pointing for the brochures and he's a bit calmer at this point. But you know, there were kids leaving there that day with a pet. And I swear my son would have been happy with paper is cheaper and way simpler, but kind of missing the point, isn't it? And I get it, he's one, but it did get me thinking. How often are we more concerned with the idea of something rather than the, the reality of it? And how often are we more distracted by the care instructions than by actually doing the caring? And I wonder whether we've become brochure Christians, excited about the idea of loving the people out there, so much so that we're stocking up on all the knowledge and we're reading the books and we're listening to the podcasts. All the while, our God is trying to do a song and dance saying, hello, I've got real living, breathing people here for you to care for, for you to love. Can we get around to that now? Can we take this off paper? So a great way to check whether we've done that, whether we've taken that from a head knowledge to a living, breathing value is to ask ourselves right here now, how are we going at loving the people next to us in the church community? I'm not even talking about the idea of people out there in the mission field or the world or whatever label you want to put on it. How are we going at loving in the church community we call home? Because Gateway, how we live and love here matters. And it speaks volumes to those that are not yet here. And Jesus talks about this, how we would be perceived by people in the community. And it's in John 13, verses 34 and 35. And he's speaking to the believers. He says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this... 
everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we can read that and just move on. But Jesus is saying that by this, you will be known not by your fashion, not by your friendships, not by your political preference or the recycled water bottle that you carry, not even by your church attendance, especially in this season. If you want people to know that you genuinely walk with Jesus, it will be by your love for each other in the church community and that can change the world. Because the inference is here is, if we get this right, if we love like we should, like Jesus has taught us, it will be so contagious so infectious the people that don't even think about faith will be looking on in going hey whoa whoa what are they on how do i get what they've got it is contagious and i've seen this played out in my own life there's been times i've invited some friends and some uni mates to come hang out with my family and my church friends and we share a meal we drink wine we have a laugh there's just that good spirit of encouragement in the room all that good normal stuff but it makes an impact on them and they're like, I didn't know Christians were like this. I didn't, know, I didn't know relationships could be like this. And, you know, one of them ended up coming along and being a lead in one of our productions and came along to church. And what about you? Have you had the opportunity to invite someone into your home or to your life group to experience the kingdom of God in action? Because when we do talk about infectious this is contagious. But I tell you what, I don't think, sadly, we are known for our love. If we're really honest about it. If we were to poll the average person, what do you think of when you hear Christian? I don't think they would immediately be like, oh, yes, of course, love. I think that they maybe know us by our media coverage or our views or by what we stand for or against, but I don't think, on the whole, we are known for our love. But Gateway, we have every opportunity to continue changing that narrative. I believe in the church. I love the church. This is why we are here. We can love the way God intended us to love. And there's three things I want to share this morning to help us get there. Three things about this love, and they're on your outline. Firstly, this love is defined. It is so clear. There is absolutely no ambiguity. Jesus says in that verse in Mark, love people as yourself. But I had a revelation about this. You know, Jesus wasn't so much advocating for self-love as much as he was calling out our tendency to look out for number one. And self-love is so important. Self-care is essential. But we don't have to arrive at some level of self-acceptance or personal enlightenment before we get around to loving people. Jesus just says, go, love people. It is so clearly defined. And just in case you struggle to resonate with that definition, just in case there's still some confusion, Jesus kicks it up a notch. And in that verse in John 13, 34, he says, love one another as I have loved you. Now this is frustrating. Now I can't define what this love is. I can't dish it out to who I think is worthy. I can't bend it to fit my agenda. And this is what Jesus does. He says, from now until the end of time, here's what I'm going to do. Just so that there's no confusion, 
If you want to wonder what love looks like, it looks like me. And so now us as Christians don't have to worry about what a loving Christian would do in any situation. We, didn't know, we don't need to go to a mentor. We don't need to go to another church service. We just need to pick up the Bible and say, does it look like Jesus? Does it walk like Jesus? Does it talk like Jesus? Does it sound like Jesus? Come on, church, because he is love. This love is so defined, so defined that it's even a person. And when we see that, it's pretty easy to see that we can compare ourselves with this definition and say, I've got some work to do. Think about, think about the way Jesus loved you. He loved you when you didn't love him. He loved you when you couldn't repay him. He loved you when you ran, when you didn't want to hear about it, when you weren't even aware about, of it. He loved you with an unearned, ridiculous kind of love. How are we going at loving our row ridiculously gateway? Anyone else feeling a little convicted? Because I certainly am. One of the fullest definitions of love that we find in the Bible is in 1 Corinthians 13 and we hear it often at weddings. And I wonder if, as I'm reading this, we can just have the state that our world is in, in our minds. And tell me this is not the antidote. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's a pretty high standard, huh? But if I'm going to love how Jesus is asking me to love, I'm not going to go to the culture around me as a gauge. I'm going to go straight to the source. And we can swap that word love out with the name of Jesus because Jesus is love. But the real test for me is how it sounds with my name. In the spirit of hashtag transparency, I'm going to do that right now. Beth is patient. Beth is kind. She does not envy. She does not boast. She is not proud. Already failing. I am not there yet. But if I want to love like Jesus until I can see myself fitting nicely in this definition, I'm going to come before God and say, oh, Lord, change me, mold me, make me more like your son. Which leads me to the second point is this love is developed. It is developed. It takes time. You know, I realize if I'm going to be remotely loving, I need to be connected to the source of that love. I need him pouring into me so I have something to pour out. This is a process of becoming like Christ and I need to be open to him washing off my sharp edges every single day. This is a process. Because I never want God to change my eternity, to change my identity, but not my mentality. I never want to be like, yep, I'm a Christian, I'm good, I'm sweet, heaven, tick, I'm in. But my living and breathing now remains unchanged and undeveloped and I'm still negative, 
still rude, still judgmental, and I wonder why the church isn't growing at the rate that I had hoped. Have you ever seen those people that had come to faith and they're just so refreshing to be around? They're so full of passion. Why is it sometimes the longer we journey with Jesus, the grumpier we get? (laughs) How about you? Do you love people more today than you did yesterday? Do you come into church looking for people who need love? Because this kind of love takes constant maintenance. It takes being intentional. We don't get better at this love by just waking up and rolling out of bed. Our default is to still look after numero uno. So we need to be intentional and daily say to God, God, here I am. Help me love like you today. Help me get better at this. My eyes are open. My heart is full. I know where my source comes from, so I'm going to pour out what I have for others. Make me an agent of your love. Because trust me, you want to develop and grow with that kind of self-awareness rather than awkwardness. And I have had my fair share of cringe. Let me tell you, I... um, I used to commute to work and I remember being on the train after a really long week and a really long day and I was really tired and I had my my headphones in because we're not talking Um, and when you commute, if you commute in a room, you know that uh, when you commute for a long time, you just get really good at the train etiquette, uh, which means you just get very good at judging everybody else on the train. So I remember this woman came on about halfway down the line and she looked really worse for wear. She had a red nose, she was sniffing, she had a hand full of used tissues and the world wasn't even in the current climate. I had no excuse, but I saw her and I was like, oh, please don't sit next to me. And I know what you're thinking. Gracious. Um, But my autopilot had well and truly kicked in and uh, sure enough, she walks down the carriage and she eyeballs me and she goes, "Um, anyone sitting here? And I was like, no, (laughs) question mark. And as she was sitting and as I was trying to figure out whether I'd packed my sanitizer, she must have noticed that I was eyeing off her tissues and she says, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I've been at a funeral for a friend today. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am the worst person, the worst. Um, And I pulled my earphones out and I was able to just say, that must have been a really rough day for you. Uh, I was able to talk to her about her friend and what her friend was like and I was able to pray for her and I don't know what her journey is like now, but the point is, I nearly missed out on an opportunity to spread some warmth, some hope, some empathy because I was too concerned about what this moment meant for me and my me time. And I was like, thank you, God, for allowing this awkward moment to wake me up out of my comfort, out of my default selfishness. Thank you for reminding me that this life isn't about me. I don't get to just exist to have my me time. I am here to grow into your likeness, to be an agent of your love. We don't get to schedule in this love gateway when it's convenient. And I wonder what would happen if we did less praying for opportunities to love 
and more actually doing something with the opportunities that are right here in front of us. How are we going at developing in this love, church? Because this love is defined. It needs to look like Jesus or it's not love. It is developed. None of us have arrived. We all need to be moving towards Jesus. And this love is messy. It's the third one. This love is messy. I think there's something about this love that we tend to discount. Because when we hear love, we think of red hearts and chocolates and fluffy teddies. But the love that we're talking about today, the love in the Bible, this love caused fights. This love was so controversial. This love was the thing that ended up having Jesus killed. This love we're talking about today, Gateway, is messy when it's lived out. And what do I mean by lived out? Well, Paul says in Galatians, and again, this is in-house. He's not talking to people out there. This is in our row. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you are too important to stoop down to help another, you are living in deception. We are meant to get down on our knees with people and let them know that we are with them in the storm, with them in their troubles. How are we going at loving our row like that, church? Because somewhere along the line, I think we've boiled this love down to a brochure love and it's just surface chit-chat on a Sunday. And so we're like, how are you going? And people are like, yeah, we're good, we're fine, we're really great, we're doing really good. And we don't even know each other's burdens let alone know how to help carry them unless you're in a life group because we know that we allow messy love there. But if someone actually gets a little bit vulnerable with us and says something like, you know, well, I'm not actually doing too great. I'm a bit nervous. I'm going in for surgery this week. We're like, oh, praying for you. I'm praying for you. And I am all for prayer. Thank you, our amazing prayer team. But you know what is better than just saying you're going to be praying for someone? Meals, money, getting there with them in that moment and praying for them. And you're going into hospital, which one? So that we can be there and let you know that your church family is with you. This love, when lived out, gateway is messy and it'll mess up your bank account because it's going to cost you something when people can't always repay you. And when you use that last bit of petrol to pick up that youth kid and get them to house party on a Friday night, or when you shout that lunch because you know your friend needs that extra support, it'll cost you. It'll mess up your perceptions because proximity breeds passion. And the more I get to know you, the more I understand you, and the more I understand you, the no longer can I hold the views of you I used to hold. This love lived out is messy. And Pastor Carl Lentz spoke on this last year and he did this incredible illustration of what it means to live out this love that I wanted to do this morning. You know, this love is messy. We've said this. It's not neat. But we don't like messy. We like things to be clean and fresh, much like this white top, yeah? But I didn't sign up for clean, neat faith. And if we really live out this love the way Jesus is intending us to, it's going to look a lot more like Jesus who was down in the dirt and in the dust 
with people. I wonder what would happen if we put down the brochure love, we took this off paper and got to a point with each other here that if you cry, I cry. Who would take notice of that? Who would want to be a part of this kind of community? And this love lived out just looks like this. You're in your church and you see one of your people and you're like, I'm so sorry. Just heard. I didn't realise you were going through grief at the moment. Your family must be really going through a lot. But hey, I'm not going to pretend like nothing's happening. I'm going to remember this when I see you next. I will remember what you're carrying. I'm going to put the anniversary of this loss in my phone because you are not going through this on your own. And they go about their life and you go about yours. And it's a little bit messy, but you're just doing what Jesus has called you to do and you see someone else. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realise you were still injured. That must be really tough financially. That must be really hard on your family. Do you need meals? I'm dropping off dinner. How are the lawns? You name a time and a place and I will be there with my mower. How are the pain levels? I know that's really hard on the emotions as well. You know what? Can we pray together right now? Let's believe in our God that is a healer, that he's going to deal with this. He's going to take away that pain. You are not on your own. And they go about their life and you keep going about yours. And it's getting messier, but you're just doing what God has called you to do. And you see someone else in your community and you're like, I am sorry that you are drowning right now with feelings of depression. I have no idea what that feels like. But you know what? I'm going to stand with you for as long as you need me to. If you feel low, you text me. If you don't want to sit on your own on a Sunday, you feel lonely, you sit with me. Lunch afterwards, my shout. There are people here that care about you. They get you. You're not going through this on your own. This love gateway lived out is messy. If we do this right, we're going to get some tears on us. It's messy, but I'm so proud of this community because after that announcement from the government, literally within seconds, I got a call from one of our Gatorites saying, Beth, my wife and I have more than enough right now and I'm aware there are people that are feeling anxious because they live paycheck to paycheck and by the time they get to the shelves, they're pretty bare. We have enough. Who can we help? Yes, Gateway. That is messy love. Richard Raw talks about this as being, as standing in radical solidarity with one another. We are not meant to do this faith thing on our own. This is not a private, individualistic faith. We are inextricably linked and we can do way more together than we could ever do on our own. But when we love like this, it's not neat. It's going to get messy. We're going to have tears on us. We're going to have a little bit more on our minds than we're used to. But it's close to the heart of Jesus. And I know that there might be some people in this room thinking, oh, Beth, are you sure that's really what we want to be saying? It sounds like a little bit, a little bit heavy. It sounds like too much for one person to carry. And I think that's the point. Firstly, this isn't meant to be for one person to carry. When we all collectively lift, it's amazing how much lighter our burdens are going to feel. And secondly, we're not meant to carry it except to the cross. See, the verse says that love empowers us. We don't do this in our own strength. We are meant to take it to Jesus, for him to sustain us, for him to pour into us so that we can be spurred forward to love people well. And maybe that's just the added bonus of this whole thing. We get to rub shoulders with our Saviour time and time again. Will you stand with me, church?
this defined, this developed, this messy love is going to be the thing that changes the world because it's what Jesus has already done for us. May I never forget that Jesus has been carrying me all over him since day dot. And Jesus took on the mess of the world so that we could be comfortable, so that we could read the brochures, so we could stay neat, so that by this we would be known and by him he would be known, by the love that Jesus has displayed for us. This is why we exist, Gateway. This is why we are here. And until we can see ourselves fitting in God's definition of love, we're going to come before our Father and say, do a work in me. Do a work in me. Because that commandment is a package deal. We cannot separate love God, love people. And as the verse in Mark says, we need to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul. And we do that by loving people. We love God by loving people. It's a package deal. We cannot separate the two. Father, we thank you that you got messy. You carried our mess so that we could come before the Father clean and free. But Father, we're sorry for the, for the ways that we've let it stop there. The, the, the ways that we've gotten comfortable with just sitting in your love and knowing that we are loved. Father, you've called us to more. So Father, shape us, change us, do a work within us until we are beacons of hope, that we are beacons of grace, that this community so desperately needs because we are carriers of a love that is greater than fear. We are carriers of a love that is greater than any sickness, greater than any anxiety. So Father, I pray that you would mold us and shape us, that Gateway would be known for this kind of love so that our community would come to know you. And the people of God said, Amen.